You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. Now Hear This is a conversation with leaders in Indianapolis that are working to improve the lives of Hoosiers. Our goal is to empower you to join in their work and make a difference while informing you about the unseen aspects of life in Indiana. If you miss an episode, you can listen via podcast at nowhearthisindy.com. Again, my name is Chris Spangle, and this week we are talking to Hope House, which is an organization in Grant County and Marion, Indiana. My guests are Shane Beal, who is the director of men's programming for Hope House, and Tia Brewer, who is director of women's programming. And you can check out their website at givetograntorg hopehouse. Shane and Tia, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you for for having having us, us. for sure. Absolutely. Let's start off with what is Hope House, Shane? Okay, thanks. Well, first of all, we're grateful to be here uh, and for the opportunities to share about Hope House. So Hope House is a uh, facility for men and women in recovery from addiction and substance use disorders. Uh, We hope to open for women in March and men shortly thereafter. And so Hope House started as kind of a dream to help people find recovery in Grant County. Currently, there are no options for women in terms of transitional housing in, in Grant County. And so Tia is going to lead that and, and help our women recover uh, at Hope House. And I'll, and I'll do the same for men. So let's go to the beginning of the program. How did the beginning – let's go to the beginning of the program. How did it start and when? And sure, why? thank you. Uh, well, when was – we started praying about this time last year about what we could do in Grant County to help people with substance use disorders. T and I both have lived experience with addiction and what the recovery process looks like. And so we started praying about what could possibly we could do to help the community. And so in doing that, some people kind of heard our prayers and donated a house to us. And so we started the process of helping people in terms of planning what that would look like, developing procedures, developing programming. And so we hope to open at the end of March uh, 2020, with welcoming our first women at Hope House. And then we'll, a couple months later, do that for men. And so the why is just, we have a real epidemic, um, not only with opioids, but alcohol and connection and loss and kind of people just not finding their way. And so we hope that Hope House becomes something that will help them reconnect with their family, recover from substance use disorder, and be a real voice for people in recovery, at least in Grant County and hopefully for the whole state. And Tia, it seems like North Central Indiana seems some especially hard hit with when it comes to substance abuse issues and and uh, a tough economy. I mean, is that fair to say? I mean, what do you see in the community that, that you're working in? Sure. I do think that's um, easy to say about Northeast Indiana. Um, what I will say is I don't think it's just Northeast Indiana. Um, certainly the economic difficulties that certain communities face, Grant County is one of those. As we've lost industry, I think the economy has suffered. Um, and so if there's underlying substance use already occurring and that increases to deal with other stressors, you know, family stressors, financial stressors, um, mental health issues that are going on, I think sometimes that gets highlighted in the midst of difficulty in the community around, right? Um, but I think it's everywhere. Um, I don't think substance use disorder really discriminates based on the economy in a community. Um, what we do know about Grant County particularly is that the economic situation that our community has been in has made it difficult for us to develop resources there for people that are suffering from substance use disorder. And so it's required us to look other places to serve our population of people that are looking for recovery and looking for that support 
Um, and what we want to do is bring it back home, bring that recovery process back to our community so that we can start solving the problem from the inside out. May I ask you both about your own substance abuse struggles? I mean, you sure, mentioned sure. off air that you you were here in Indianapolis and you went through recovery. What is your story, right. Tia? So in a nutshell, um, I was a practicing attorney from 2002 till 2018 when my license was suspended. During the course of those years, and really for the past 25 years prior to 2017, um, I had abused substances, alcohol, marijuana, um, eventually cocaine, crack. Um, And throughout that process, um, I was getting more and more ill and less and less able to manage my life around me. So in 2015, I went to inpatient treatment for about 12 weeks down in Alabama for the first time. Um, At that point, I was facing some really... um, serious mental health issues because of my substance use that were interfering with my day-to-day life. I wasn't able to function um, in normal life anymore. That went from personal care to care of my children um, to managing my practice. Um, When I got back from treatment, um, I did not do the things that were suggested to me. I came right back to my life as I had known it before. And I was sober for about nine months before I relapsed. Um, At that point, my use, um, whatever my worst use was, prior to treatment the first time, it um, exponentially grew um, after my relapse in December of 2016. And by spring of 2017, um, I was again in full psychosis. I was not able to manage going to work. Um, My then uh, son, nine-year-old son, had to go live with his dad because I wasn't able to care for him appropriately. Um, He was in dangerous situations and in a dangerous environment. Um, Our adult daughters um, were estranged from me because of my substance use disorder. And so I went to treatment again after 56 days in jail. Um, I was arrested um, for a felony charge for contempt. um, And I sat in jail till I became willing to go to treatment again. Went to treatment at Terra Treatment Center in um, July of 2017, and when I finished that program successfully, um, my treatment team suggested that I not go home to Mm. Grant County. They suggested to me that transitional housing was necessary for me to be able to get a foundation of recovery under me before I tried to assimilate back into life, um, work life, family life, heal the relationships that I had broken. So I had an opportunity to go to Sis House uh, here in Indianapolis, and I was resistant to that idea. But looking back, it was transformational in my recovery. And so when I think about my recovery story and how important it was for me to be in an environment where not only was um, I surrounded with accountability and structure, which transitional housing gave me, um, I was also surrounded by women who understood what I had been through, what I was going through, and where I wanted to go. And I learned tools that I wouldn't have learned otherwise. And I was surrounded with love from people that loved me right where I was Mm. and people that were able to connect me to a recovery community that I've now embedded myself in. um, And that supports my recovery every day. And so that's what I want to do for other women. That's what we want to do is give them that bridge between active addiction, early recovery and then a lifelong recovery process that they continue on well past when they leave Hope House. 
Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, it's powerful. I, I want to ask you about resistance because I heard that concept a couple mm-hmm. times in there. That, and, and I think if you're listening to this program and you've got a loved one who's struggling with addiction or um, you just are aware of it, you hear the concept of, addic- of resistance a lot. You are resistant to go to the house. What, from your past point of view, like where does that concept come from? Why, why were you not willing to go to the house? Sure. So a lot of um, my addiction story is about resistance, mm-hmm. right? I was resistant to the idea of spirituality. I was resistant to the idea of connection with others being important in my life. I was resistant to the idea that there was something greater than me in the world that I needed to be accountable to, whether that be society, whether that be my children and my family, or whether that be you know a, a spiritual force in my life, um, such as God. And so what I had to do um, was learn how to understand that I wasn't always the solution to the problem in front of me. And that was a very difficult thing for me to grasp or even become willing to accept. It came from a place of pain. Mm. Um, It came from a place of not wanting to be vulnerable. And so it really took me um, experiencing pain relationships, placing boundaries between myself and them, um, loss. You had to lose enough before you finally admitted that I need to do something. Sure. And I had to have enough people that loved me desperately put their hand up and say, we won't be part of you dying anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was well beyond just financial support, right? That was about people saying, we can't participate in your slow death anymore. Mm. Emotionally, physically, physically. we're not going to do it. And so it's kind of like tether, being tethered to a post out in a corral. Um, when the sun gets hot enough and your thirst gets deep enough, um, you start to look for a find, to find a way to quench that thirst. And then when that bucket's placed in front of you, you may become less resistant to at least try, at least try that water. Yeah. So that's my story. You're listening to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. We're talking to Hope House, which is an organization in Grant County in Marion, Indiana. And they're uh, working on opening uh, their first home in on March 1st. They're raising money, and you can help them at givetograntorg slash hopehouse. Uh, I'm talking to Tia Brewer, who is director of women's programming, and Shane Beal, director of men's programming. Shane, what's your story? Wow, thanks. So I hear Tia's story a lot, but every time I hear it, I still get emotional. Yeah. Um, so very similar to Tia, I practiced law too for almost 20 years in, in Grant County. Um, but really my whole life since the sixth grade, when I had my first drink, I've kind of dealt with substance use disorders. Uh, sometimes it was bad. Sometimes it was really bad. And at the end, it became something that I just couldn't control anymore. Couldn't hide, couldn't resist as Tia said, uh, and couldn't stay in that denial. And so I had lost so much through the process. My law license, um, divorce, bankruptcies, you name it, I lost it, right? Um, And at the end, which is my story, uh, I was homeless. And I was at a point where it was a breaking point for me. Um, I did go to treatment that didn't really work, kind of like Tia mentioned in her own story. And my story actually ended up being at the Indiana Department of Corrections, where I was sentenced for crimes related to my substance use disorder. Um, and I served actually 17 months uh, in the Indian Department of Corrections for those crimes. But while I was there, I got treatment. 
And some, sometimes that's the story, right? It just takes an opportunity to go somewhere where I could be alone enough to work on me and not worry about anything else. And um, I think substance use disorders do that to us. They, they push us to the point where we've got to do something or not. And right. if we don't, then we're stuck with it. And so I was blessed enough to be able to be treated at the Department of Corrections. And then since I've been out, um, I've just kind of dedicated my own recovery and my own life to just trying to help people avoid the pitfalls and problems that my life entailed because of my substance use disorder. And so I get to do things like work with drug court, um, work with people in recovery, and then work with Tia as she walks with people and we walk with people together in the process. And that's why we want to have Hope House be such an integral part of Grant County is we know that pain. We can see it, smell it, hold it, push it away. Uh, there's a lot of things you can do with pain. And we hope to be able to fill that need and, and be the gap between people's pain and their recovery. And so... Both of us have really great stories, but everyone in recovery has a great story because that's the biggest miracle in their lives. You know, I, I, I wholeheartedly follow God and I, and I wholeheartedly believe that he can restore and, and redeem us. And because of that, we're our own greatest miracles. You know, walking on water, yeah, great. Letting the blind see, perfect. But for me, not having that pain is the biggest miracle I've ever seen. And so that's what we hope to do. It, it seems to me in both of your stories, there's pride, 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 pride. And then a moment <laughs> right. where not only do you have to choose humility, you're humbled mm. yeah. and you expect a wave of shame. But when you finally reach that catalyst, when you finally both came to that moment where you decided I need to accept some help, yeah. what did you find in that moment from other people? Wow. Um, freedom. Freedom, grace, um, forgiveness, mm. love like I've never experienced before. There's a couple things that happen in the recovery community, at least that I'm involved in, is that it's a it's a vulnerable state of love, like unconditional, genuine uh, acceptance at every level. And I think that that's what you see in recovery. Um, I was in a Sunday school class this past Sunday, and they were talking about things that they wish they had. Man, I wish I could be vulnerable. Man, I wish I could be really more open with people. I wish that I felt accepted. And I'm thinking, man, that's the gift of recovery. That's what we have when we go to meetings and we share our stories and we say, you can have this. It's freely given, right? And so we try to share this message with as many people to say, you know what? This is what recovery looks like. It's not just that you're not using. It's not that you get your family back, but you get yourself back and you get your life back and you can be something more than you were ever when you were using. T, you said the word freedom. What does that mean to you? So many different things, <laughs> right? right? Um, I did not realize how over the course of my adult life, I had given my power away to so many things, so many circumstances, so many goals that I thought were positive. Um, I had spent my entire adult life giving away my power and then complaining that I felt shackled to my life that I felt captive to circumstances around me, that I felt held hostage by relationships that I chose, by feeling you know, tied to obligations for family or work or a career or the things that I wanted, right? The stuff. 
And through recovery, what I've found out is when I don't give my power away, what I'm able to do is start to become empowered. Hmm. And there's an enormous difference between power that's dumped on you by stuff or people or relationships or accolades hanging on your wall from a career, right? When it's empowerment, that power comes from within me. And what I've learned through recovery and what I've been given through recovery is freedom to be who I am at my very best, right? Without worrying about how the other things in the world add to or detract from that, my day looks like how can I be the best version of me there is? And yeah, that involves not drinking or using drugs anymore. That is such a small part of recovery for me. It seems like a huge part at the beginning, right? Mm. You know, we count our days of sobriety. We do that throughout because that is important. And that is the basis. If I use or drink today, then all of the other stuff goes away. Mm-hmm. But the greatest gift of recovery is the ability to become empowered to be who I'm intended to be and be the best version of that. And sometimes, you know, there are days when that version is pretty great. And there are other (laughs) days when that version is maybe mediocre. But either way, I have the opportunity tomorrow to become another best version of myself because I didn't get drunk or high today. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Any friend who's gone through recovery or through my own experiences with therapy it's a very tender time. Why is recovery housing so important? Is it because it helps build a little bit of a shell around a person who is just really tender? I'm going to let T answer that because she's actually lived there and she has a really good story about how that works. Okay. So (laughs) sure. It is a safe, stable, sober environment. So there is that layer of protection between that person early in recovery and quote unquote, the real world, right? The stuff that sometimes can lead to wanting to use or old patterns or places or people. Um, More importantly, within the environment of transitional housing, I go back to that part of empowerment where women and men in transitional housing are able to spend time just on themselves without expectations of the outside things, Mm. such as family relationships that may need healed, employment that has become difficult because of years of addiction, um, relationships with community members or the way they're viewed by the community because of behaviors during active addiction. Within the environment of transitional housing, you're around people that understand that all of those, all that brokenness and all of those things that need healed will come over time as the work of recovery happens. But while that's happening, you're surrounded by people who have been there, who are doing the same work in their own way through their recovery. You're learning tools on how to do those things that you have no clue how to do because you've never done them before. And you're held accountable to make sure that you're taking your medicine every day, right? Mm -hmm. That medicine being those things in recovery that keep us well, right? that keep us moving forward rather than falling back. Does that mean pharmaceuticals or does that mean therapy? Does that, what, what, what do you mean medicine? So when I say medicine, my addiction is a disease, right? And there is certain medicine quote unquote, that I have to take every day. Those things being connections with other people in recovery. Those things being therapy, perhaps through um, individual therapy, group therapy, intensive outpatient, perhaps pharmaceuticals, right? If I have underlying mental health issues of depression, anxiety, bipolar, 
I mean, the list goes on and on to things that lead people to look to self-medicate. Those may be part of that prescription. Mm. Um, Connection to something greater than myself, service to my community, learning how to get up at a certain time each day, be responsible for my space and take pride in that and myself, learning how to take care of myself, right? Self-care, time to myself, not saying yes to everyone. Mm. And then within that environment, also being able to heal those outside things and having a safe place to come back to to say, well, this is what worked today and this is what didn't. And I'm safe here and I'm going to have a place where people can support me and give me suggestions that maybe I haven't considered to help fix those things more. You're listening to Now Hear This. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. We're talking to Tia Brewer, Director of Women's Programming, and Shane Beal, Director of Men's Programming for Hope House, located in Grant County in Marion, Indiana. And you can find out more about them at givetograntorg slash hopehouse. They're working on raising funds to start their uh, recovery house. And I noticed in doing my research for this that you follow the 12 steps, that you uh, put people on the 12 steps. Um, maybe give a brief overview of what that is for those that might not be familiar. But my question truly is, why has the 12-step program endured for so long and been so successful for so many people? Tia? Right. So for, for me, 12 steps has been integral in my own recovery. Um, and so we want to share that opportunity with the people that will live at Hope House, right? So a 12-step program is, I'll break it down into just some simple parts, okay? So one, I've got this problem that I can't control, mm-hmm. okay? For me, it was drugs and alcohol. Two, I am looking and I believe that something bigger than me can fix this problem and take it away and take it out of my hands. Three, I'm willing to let that higher power do that. I'm going to get out of the way. I'm going to take someone else's direction. I'm going to let someone else drive the bus. Mm. And then from there, I'm going to do those things. I'm going to clean house, right? I'm going to take responsibility for the things that I've done wrong and the behaviors that I've cre- that I've created or that I've participated in that have hurt other people. I'm going to figure out what led me to thinking those behaviors were okay. I'm going to ask my higher power to help rid me of those and take those things from me so that I have a fresh slate, that clean slate. I'm going to move forward and take responsibility not only to myself and someone else in recovery, but I'm also going to take responsibility when I can to those people that I've hurt. I'm going to ask them how to make that right with them. I'm not going to make that prescription myself either for healing. I'm going to ask them what they need from me to heal what what's happened. And sometimes that'll happen quickly. And sometimes that happens over time and it may not happen in some instances, Mm -hmm. but then I push forward and I continue to search for those things to help me better myself. I create connections with people. I deepen my relationship with my higher power. I continue to search inside myself to eliminate those things that have gotten in the way before in my life of being the best version of me. I'm going to continue to try and make connections with other people that are looking for the same thing. And I'm going to give that to them. I'm going to give them the opportunity that was given me when they want it, right? Not going to force it down anyone's throat. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to freely offer to you what I've been given through the suggestions and guidance and love of the people around me in recovery. I'm going to be willing to give that to you. And then tomorrow morning, I'm going to wash, rinse, and repeat and do it all again. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. 
So we don't have a lot of time left, but if someone is listening right now, and I'm sure they are, that either is in them seeing, hearing this and seeing themselves in it or seeing a loved one in it, what would you recommend as some first steps, first for the person that may think that they have an addiction issue of some sort, or a loved one has an addiction issue and I don't know how to help them? What, what recommendations would you make? I'll take the first one. So if someone out there is, is struggling today, first of all, I want you to know that you're not alone um, and that it's okay. And it's okay to ask for help. And we hope that you do that. And so you could call us. You can find the information on our, on our website. What's the phone number? Uh, 765-667-0150 is my personal cell phone. You can call me at any time. I always have it on me. I'll never not answer. I'll never not return your call. You can always ask for help. That's what I would say, that we're always going to give you the help that you want. And what if, what if you have a loved one? You, you hear a, a husband, a wife, a son, a, a parent in, in these words. What, what, what should someone do? Right. So you can always call me, too. So my number is 765-506-1482. Um, and that's not just true of an individual who may think they're struggling. Um, or is struggling and wants help, but also for family members, friends, colleagues um, that are looking for answers because we've been there. We've been on both sides of it, right? We've been the one struggling and we've also been there um, as someone watching someone we love struggle. Mm. So um, reach out for help, ask questions. There are no dumb questions. Um, Look at resources and ask for help, keep talking, and more importantly, love that person where they are. Mm. Um, Love them where they are. That doesn't mean help them die, right? It doesn't mean don't set boundaries. What it means is love them where they are so that when they do reach their hand out for help and when they're ready, you're able to at least offer them the resources and the way to get there. All right, final question for you, both of you. Okay. Okay. Uh, About a minute each. Give your pitch to someone who has listened to this, has been impacted by it. How can they help? Why should they help? And what are the, where should they visit to help? Okay. Well, first, you've been given the website, so awesome. Do that. So go to givetograntorg um, slash hopehouse, and that's where you can donate online. Um, we do need about $44,000 before the end of March to open, and so we're asking you to help us. Um, help us help other people find recovery. The why is very simple, that, that we believe that we can provide help for people that, that need help in recovery. Your loved one, your friend, someone you know, you've all experienced it, right? And so we can be that voice for them. We can be that safe place for them. We can be someplace where they can get recovery and find the help that they need. Tia? Right. So give to grant.org forward slash hope house. Um, please check us out there. Um, in order to open, we do need that 44,000. But what I want everyone to hear is that once we are up and running, the model that we have will become self-sustaining. Um, Shane is constantly working on and we will be working on uh, continuous grant writing. Um, we expect that many of our uh, residents will be employed and be able to pay for their own space there um, as they are able to um, you know settle into employment and that sort of thing and um, the why because it works Mm. Um, the why is because when we offer people a bridge between that moment when they're asking for help and they step into recovery 
by giving them that bridge, that safe place, that opportunity to continue to grow and build that foundation, the chances of their success long-term in recovery, long-term in reconnecting family relationships, long-term in getting their kids back if they've been removed, long-term in being a benefit to their community rather than someone that you see on YouTube videos, Mm. right? It changes the outcome when people are given the opportunity to first work on themselves and then they can start working to reconnect and be part of their communities. And that's what we want to see happen in Grant County. And we need your help and we're excited and we're grateful. Do you have social media that people could follow? We do. Hope House Marion on Facebook and Hope House Marion on Instagram. Excellent. Yes. Well, thank you so much to Tia Brewer, Director of Women's Programming, and Shane Beal, Director of Men's Programming for Hope House, located in Grant County. They're not only going to serve Grant County, but surrounding communities, correct? That's right. That's right. All right. So please get in touch with them and uh, help them out and help them uh, start changing lives as their lives have been changed. Thank you so much. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Now Hear This. I am your host, Chris Spangle. If you missed any portion of our program, you can listen on our website, nowhearthisindy.com. If you'd like to have your organization featured on the show, please contact Gabby at 317-475-7407 or via the contact page on our website. Thanks for listening, and we will be back again next week with Now Hear This. Our goal at The Chris Spangle Show is to help you sound smarter while talking with your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent, libertarian perspective with all of the irreverence modern politics deserves. We toss out the screaming heads and put people before political parties and give context to the news to make you think. I'm the host. I'm a 15-year veteran of politics and media, and this show is published every Saturday. It's part of the We Are Libertarians network, and be sure to join Wall Plus for bonus podcasts, the complete archives, commercial-free shows, and more. Subscribe now at WeAreLibertarians.com.